Tired of nagging yourself to get a website for your artistic career already? Radportfolios.com creates affordable, custom websites for artists. Use our special code HUSTLE, H-U-S-T-L-E, for half off your website startup. Radportfolios.com, so you can get back to getting booked. Why do you want to join a team? And there's usually two answers I'll get. One of them is, well, I really want to get out in front of like casting directors and like get famous. Usually it's not that obvious, but that's essentially what they're saying. And honestly, if, if I hear that answer and they are a magnificent actor, I'm probably not gonna invite them into the company. But if I get someone who is a pretty good actor, maybe not like, wow, this is the greatest person I've ever seen, but someone who I really see a lot of potential in, and they say, I am looking for a community where I can create, where I can collaborate, where I can work with other artists, get to know other people, and make something really amazing. That's the person I'm going to bring into the company. Welcome to episode 76 of the Hollywood Hustle podcast, where we bring you the stories and struggles of actors, writers, and theater owners, and how we attempt to thrive and survive in the city of dreams, Los Angeles. Hello, everyone. It is I, Daniel Tuttle, your host, bringing you our final interview of the season. Man, 35 episodes and 17 interviews later, we are here. Interview number 18. I think it's fair to say that we all grew throughout the season, not just myself, but also my partner in crime, Michael Lutheran. And Michael, I feel... That's right. I have big muscles what? now. My I'm so huge. Michael, you're here? Ah, and I, uh, I've been taking a lot of, uh, you know, working out tapes and stuff, and now I'm a, I have muscles. It, it all, it, I've grown. It also affected your accent. Over the season. You no longer sound American. What happened to you? You sound like <laughs> 1970s Arnold Schwarzenegger. Exactly, exactly. That, yeah, that, that's the pretty much what I was going for. Guys, there. Michael's here with me. It's a dual intro. I don't think we were together on that at no, all. No, I, I think it's just a mishmash of sounds. <laughs> What's going much. on, that buddy? How are you doing? Pretty accurate. Hey, man, I am good. Uh, just enjoying the weekend and, you know, just uh, had a lot of fun actually hanging out with you uh, last That's night. Right. We went to go see a taping of uh, former guest of the show, Eddie Yeah, Firth. as we've, we've mentioned he, before, uh, uh, Eddie's uh, long yeah. running, longtime running comedy show, Historical Roast, was picked up by Jeff Ross and his production company, who then was able to sell it to Netflix. And so right now they're actually doing their tapings. Uh, live tapings for the show and michael and i were lucky enough to go to one yesterday yeah and what's really cool is that they allow the audience members to dress up in the period of the the historical period that yeah they're that roasting. was that was a lot and of fun for yeah and i'll 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 say like just for nda purposes uh, we probably won't say what time period we were in but we will certainly be letting you guys know First of all, when Eddie's show just drops on Netflix, but we'll also let you know what episode uh, we attended the taping. Yeah. Well, of. I, I think we in can case say you this. Can hear our outroar. I think laughter. we can say we were at, we're on we're going to be in the audience for episode three. That's the episode. I'm not going to say anymore. Is that it? But it's episode three. Okay. Um, at least that's what. Now that may change from here. They may reshuffle, but that's what it said on the screen 
behind us was episode 103. Yes. So uh, we won't give anything else away. We have pictures with people from the show and all this other stuff that we'll post when the episode comes out. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was great hanging out with Michael and his fiance Anna. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get a babysitter Woo. for Nolan, and so Angie wasn't able to join us, which I'm, re- I'm always really bummed when she can't come do fun things like that. Uh, with us, and so I was, I, I was a little, I always feel well, bad. I feel like Los Angeles. There's, you know, I know one of the careers that a lot of people have is nannying, but of course, when you do need a nanny or a babysitter, there's never one to be had because they're all out auditioning or something, <laughs> right? And I mean, our you, our go to <laughs> nanny, uh, we have to book like a month in advance just because she's so busy hustling, and so we have we have to yeah. literally like go, hey, we want you on this day, can you do it? <laughs> because we want to go out and do something, um, but. <laughs> To continue on today, you know, we wanted to give you guys a preview of one of the changes coming in season three, which is the structure to our interview episodes. As you may have noticed, there is no act number attached to this episode because all of our interviews from here on out will be just one full episode. Now, there's several reasons for this, which you'll hear more about next week. But another change to this episode structure is that we will be starting every interview from now on with the guests move to Los Angeles. So when you hear the interview start between myself, Michael and the guests, it'll be right when they're talking about moving to Los Angeles. The beginnings will then be narrated in the intros to lead into the interview. So whoever, you know, we're going to be doing dual intros from uh, starting next season, just like this. And whoever's leading that intro will give a nice narrative version of our guest origin. So uh, you'll hear an example of that on this interview. So this way we're able to give you guys the meat of the episode, which is living in Los Angeles and pursuing the career that they have chosen. Uh, we wanted to get to that a lot faster so that, you know, sometimes origin stories just take a lot longer than we expect, even though it's great information and it's funny and it's amazing to hear their backstory. We, we know we, we, this show is about living in L.A. and it's about trying to survive and thrive here in Los Angeles. So we felt we needed to get to that sooner. So that's what the episodes will be. Yeah. And this is also kind of responding to some of the responses we got from our listener contest survey that we had over this past year. Absolutely. Uh, was that people were really wanting to get to. Uh, the guest's advice on living in Los Angeles and hearing their stories about living here. So we we hear you guys, and we are responding with this new structure, which I'm really excited about. No, I am too, and I'm curious to hear what everybody else thinks as they listen to this episode as a kind of a a, a preview or a testing out of this new structure. <laughs> uh, so I would definitely love to hear everybody's thoughts as you listen to this. Uh, what you think about it? Do you do you like it? Do you think you'll enjoy the episodes more here on out, starting in our next season? Or do you are you going to miss the old format of hearing the people tell their origin stories? So let us know. Email us at HollywoodHustlePodcast at gmail.com or find us on any of the social medias and let us know your thoughts. We want to hear it. Now, this week, we conclude our interview season with an interview two years in the making. As many of you heard so throughout <laughs> the show, Michael has been a member of a theater troupe here in L.A. for several years called Theater Unleashed. And he's also worked at a theater known as Studio Stage. Both of these companies are run by the husband and wife team of Gregory and Jennifer Crafts. Now, Jennifer's journey and exploration of the arts started young in Westfield, Massachusetts, when at four years old, she questioned the reality of her then obsession, the film Annie. Was it actually a hard knock life for those kids or were they actors? After her mom (laughs) confirmed that the kids and adults in Annie were, in fact, not actually orphans and billionaires, but actors playing pretend doing a job 
her life was changed. From then on out, as Jennifer grew up, she started putting on small plays with her stuffed animals until she was around 10 when she was cast in a community theater production of The Music Man. Her dream came true when, in high school, Jen was cast as a small part in her obsession, Annie. Later in life, Jennifer wanted to pursue her talent of singing in choir at St. Olaf College in Minnesota. But unfortunately, she was not offered a space in the choir, but she found comfort in theater. After college, Jen took a chance answering an ad to work at Stages Theater Company as an assistant stage manager in Minnesota, where she then worked in the office at the theater. Over two years, Jen continued to grow and learn at Stages, as well as bother the artistic director about her desire to act, until finally she was called up. Eventually, in 2004, the grant that funded Jen's position was cut, so Jennifer and her best friend Aaron decided to move to Los Angeles. After moving to L.A., Jen took classes at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts for one semester and then realized she'd rather get to work. After a two-year break and working with kids in L.A. as a tutor, she was invited by a coworker to audition for a theater troupe. After struggling with her confidence in her car right before her audition, Jen decided to go in. Little did she know, as she sat in her car, that choosing to walk through those doors would forever change not just her professional life, but her romantic life as well. Now, Greg was born in Long Island, New York in 1981 and moved to Roanoke, Virginia in 1986, having to transition from being a kid in the city down to the south and surrounded by the Blue Ridge Mountains. Greg was fortunate to have gone to a grade school that took them out to local performances of their symphony and other cultural events. And it was on one of these days that a children's play showed him what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. After performing several plays and finding community in high school, Greg knew that he wanted to pursue acting professionally, so Greg applied and was accepted to Emerson College, which allowed him to not only live in Boston, Massachusetts, but also spend an entire semester in Europe. And in fall of 2002, he did a semester in Los Angeles where he interned at a talent agency. After returning back to Boston, the City of Dreams was calling him to return. Once he moved to L.A., Greg had a string of interesting jobs. He worked for an exotic car broker, hooking up celebrities with the latest fancy cars. Then he worked nights at the Sofitel Hotel so that he could audition and film during the day. And During the hustle of trying to kick off his TV and film career, he was approached by a producer to join his theater company in Hollywood. Like many actors in L.A., including myself, Greg had the thought, why should I pursue theater when I'm here for film? But Greg's answer to this question would change his life forever. Now, as we enter our interview, we begin their story together in Los Angeles and in life, learning how a crush developed into a partnership. We discuss their struggles to survive in Los Angeles, a theater group walkout, and the hardships of owning and running your own theater and company. This is a fantastic story of love and overcoming struggle by believing in each other. Yeah. Make sure to stick around after the interview for a quick reflection on this interview and how Michael and I also work with our partners. We'll also have our hustle support statements to help you get through the week. Now join Michael and I as we learn the stories and struggles of Gregory and Jennifer Crafts. Let the hustle begin. Please actually like, you know, I had no idea what the phrase practicing self-care meant at this point because I was like, I'm 22 and I'm immortal. I can, I, I'm going to do anything. Oh, so I'd be, I'd be auditioning and shooting stuff all day and working all night. 
And and there were times I'd fall asleep on set, sometimes mid take, because I was working so bad. I was working so hard right. around the you know like around the clock that I just worked myself to the ground. Um, so I was really passionate about doing all that. And I went to audition for this TV pilot at one point. That was a pilot for HBO, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds fantastic! I'm all excited about it." And the producer was like, "I like you. You did a great job. I want you to join my theater company in Hollywood." Oh. And I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, sure. I'm not here for theater. Like, I don't want to do theater. What mm-hmm. the fuck do I want to do theater for?" But I was also really tired of going home to my two-bedroom apartment with a roommate that I barely talked to because we had such disparate schedules. Mm-hmm. And being alone. I was really tired of being alone and not feeling like I knew too many people out here and just being really lonely. I mean, L.A. can be an cripplingly lonely place if you don't know anybody. So after, you know, a solid two weeks of that, uh, after getting this offer, I emailed him and said, yeah, fuck it, I'm in. You know, and then it was another three months or so before we had the first company meeting because as I found out much later on, he had just suffered a massive walkout of members oh, at the time. So which we had, we had happened later. Which which and we let it. Yeah, we 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 let a, a second walkout <laughs> two years later. Huh. Um, but promises were made, and you know, like pe- we were we were getting uh, things were getting started, and uh, and then two months later, uh, I'm showing up at the at a show one night just to see it in support, and I turn a corner and walk right into Jen. And first time I'd ever seen her. I mean, I'd seen her, I'd seen her headshot on the board. But <laughs> my, my black and white headshot from Minnesota. <laughs> it was cute. It was cute. Uh, but I, I remember I turned the corner and I walked right into her. And I was this little voice inside of me said, this is the one you're going to marry. Um, and <laughs> Jen plays a violin. <laughs> a little air violin there. For me. Thank and you, that's sweetie. where we're going to end the show, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, and that freaked me the hell out. As you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was carrying a sign down to the parking lot. So, I mean, I literally ripped the sign out of her hands and said, here, I'll take this and turned and ran. And she called for the police. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I ran it down to the parking lot, just kind of hoofed it down there. And, you know. With it over your head. like Yeah. <laughs> you know, you had an opportunity to actually walk with her <laughs> and talk to her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was in such a flight mode at that point. <laughs> there, was, there was zero chill. You got to understand. Like, I, I'm a man of, like. Very little chill, right. and I had absolutely zero <laughs> in this moment. I'll say that for you, Exactly. This guy just came and just stole the sign. Ever, I know. Ever, I was like, I don't know. You ever see those happened. moments when the Looney Tunes have their eyes bug out and their right. hearts pop Arrugia. out of their chest? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was the tongue just rolls out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, without it, yeah, that was that was how I felt when I first met her. Was I just felt oh, my heart explode in my chest? Man. And um, I mean, I I wish I was joking or being hyperbolic or sarcastic or insincere at all because then i'd have at least a shred of dignity but i absolutely was i was, <laughs> I, was gross. I was absolutely utterly like head over heels for you at first sight um <laughs> and uh That's so, cute. so yeah we we started seeing each other around the theater and uh because you were spying on her exactly um well actually i was sleeping at the theater for a little bit because my ex was stalking me oh, um oh, so fun. that so i was sleeping there in the in the in the booth for a couple of nights to hide hide from her because i found out that she was actually like staking out my apartment waiting for me mm. um oh my gosh good times yeah um yeah so dating so, in la so you've met jen <laughs> so we met jen let's move yeah. on to the happy stuff yes i hosted thanksgiving in my little tiny apartment in burbank that year and uh, I had a whole bunch of friends over, and I'd invited the cute girl from Rydeck that I had wanted to, to make some time with. Although, uh, wait, this was after Super Psychic, though, right? 
Um, oh, yeah. oh, that's right. Okay, so we that's kind of the this. bigger thing yeah. because so so he yeah. has a show uh, which is now published actually and performs throughout the country. Licensable through Sam French called uh, Super Sidekick the <laughs> there Musical. You go. <laughs> Super Sidekick the Musical.com, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at that point, it was he had just written it, it was part of a um, writer's workshop, mm-hmm. and it was and he, you had just found out that that Brody was on the way. Yeah, that his, my ne- nephew. his nephew was. Mm-hmm. On the way. Yeah. But but because of that, though, you were motivated to do a children's show. Because I was broke and wanted to give him a gift. Right. Hmm. So he wrote a children's show and then stood up at, I think it was the first company meeting that I was at, mm-hmm. and said, hey, I'm putting together a reading for this new play that I wrote. It's a children's show. Um, who, you know, can I get some volunteers to do the reading? And I sort of surprised myself taking the initiative to be like, yeah, I'll do it. Well, I think that makes sense because it was a children's show, and that's right, where and a that lot of experience, experience, which it's is such almost a, like it's, it's fate, yeah, like kismet thing. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah no, no kidding. So I, I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So then we ended up. Uh, I, I there wasn't even a role for me. I was just like reading the stage directions, and, like <laughs> well, being were, the narrator. You were, you were the narrator and the queen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> she still is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she's still the queen. Yeah. Um, so that was. So that was so we did that that reading, um, and then afterward he emailed everyone just a thank you, thanks so much for doing my reading, blah 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 blah, mm-hmm. and I was like, I want to respond to the boy that I want to talk to, but I don't know what to say. So I wrote back and I said, Hey, thanks so much for like letting me be a part of it. Uh, I have some experience with children's theater, and this show would make a really great musical. I don't know if you ever thought of that. Oh yeah, we should we should clarify. I had written the play. Yeah, it was a play. Yeah, I had yeah. written a one act play, mm-hmm. and she said you should turn it into a musical. Uh, and I, like I said, I have no musical talent, but we'll get to how that developed. Further <laughs> yeah, in a yeah, bit. yeah. Um, but but it was really just an excuse to like write back to talk right. to him. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and we were kind of like, like tangentially aware of one another, and but we'd spoken like maybe like 10, 15 words to each other in person. Uh, including, oddly enough, the phrase, marry me. Um, you said that. I said that. Uh, <laughs> because I had, oh God, I tell this story so often, but it's, it's it, I'll make it quick. So one <laughs> night, right. one yeah, one night I was stage managing a show. Uh, they had a very different idea of how stage managers worked at Right Act, mm-hmm. um, where I was just kind of like being in control of everything. And I had, my friend Anna Therese was running our box office that night. And I handed her the cash box right as the show was about to start. And I said, here, keep it secret. Keep it safe. <laughs> exactly. Lord of the Rings. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. We mm-hmm. speak the same geek level, my friend. Nerds. Um, yeah. And at and and she's looking at me like, okay, yeah, whatever, dork. You know, I have no <laughs> idea what the hell you're talking about. Unbeknownst to him, I saw each Lord of the Rings in the theater more than 12 times. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we just did it again last month. I know. Yeah. So that was, that was so fun. So I know those movies really well. Yeah. Well, I've so also read the books numerous times. At the end of the show... Um, everybody's hanging out in the lobby and I come bursting in and I, I go to Anna, I go to Anna Therese and I'm like, is it secret? Is it safe? And everybody kind of stops and looks at me and I'm not giving a fuck, but she looks at me like, what the hell? And Jen and I just go, walking by nonchalant. Gandalf. Duh. <laughs> and then he, <laughs> and I turn, I spun around and not even seeing who it was. I spun around and said, marry me. <laughs> and then I saw it was Jen and I was like, Oh shit! <laughs> you know, um, and that was <clears throat> that was one of the heart stopping moments of like, huh? All right, I'm digging this. <laughs> so uh, a couple of weeks later, we are. Uh, I was coming to see closing night of a show. We had a show that was running Monday, Tuesdays, and I'm and Jen was stage managing for it. It was a uh, Justice Box, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Had the best cue I had ever called because I had to cue a, a guillotine on stage. Ooh. So I had to actually like do a cue so that someone on stage could see it and then they'd let it go. Huh. So that was like ultimate power. It was so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Show's running long. My favorite Thunk. cue ever. Yeah. Had uh, I came to closing night because I want I was like I got to support the company. I brought a date. It's okay. At the end of the at the end of the night, she's like, "Well, you know, I got to be up." It was Tuesday night. She's like, "I got to be up for, uh, for work early in the morning." And I was like, "Yeah, I gotta go. Uh, I, I should. It's closing night. We got to start striking the show and help out the next show." I felt like I had responsibility to the company to stick mm. around and help out. So she left, and I go back up into the theater, and the artistic director was like, "Oh, hey, Craig, uh, Jen's trying to get the the." the dressing room door open downstairs, go down and help her. And I popped the door open and... And then popped the question. <laughs> you, not Marry well, me again. Yeah. Uh, not quite. And this time you're saying it from company. <laughs> no, I'm gonna... I'm gonna let... I'm gonna avoid getting punched repeatedly as soon as this is over right now and I'm gonna let Jen take over this part of the story. <laughs> I wouldn't wait till it was over. <laughs> this, that's good. That makes for good podcast. Good sound effect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you want some good foley, so I get the door open no, for her, really and the next it. thing I know, she pushes me up against the wall and just starts <laughs> making out with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As I've said, that before, sounds very familiar to my first date too. <laughs> right. I know. I have zero experience or chill. Animal magnetism. Raw <laughs> animal magnetism. I mean, I I feel it. Um. No, I I actually don't even know like the entire sequence of events, but but it was like we wow we found ourselves making out down there, and again, yeah. must emphasize like like literally that was my first kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, How beautiful that it was in a theater. Right? I know. Aww. So, um, but but that's why I'm saying that story that he just told is freaking wrong, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way I would have done that. But um, <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm trying to get the. Truth out, um, but anyway, but but yeah. So that that and then and then you kind of freaked out because he had just come from this horrible relationship, and he was like, "I can't get into anything right now." And uh, and and I said, and he didn't really quite know what this meant at that point. But I said, um, you know, I'm I'm actually like the most patient person ever, and yeah. I and yes. I remember my heart just melting in that moment. Like, <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. very So. Um, so we're down there long enough that people are actually yelling for us, looking for us upstairs. <laughs> so we go running up there, uh, and John's like, "Oh, great, you're both here. How about you uh, take a list down of everybody that was here tonight, so you can you can uh, we could do thank yous for everybody to help stay." And we're like, "Okay, great." So Jen and I both kind of like walk over to the, walk over to the box office, and she pulls out a paper, and she's like, "Well, I'm here." I now know you're here. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, uh, "Denny's." And she's like, "Who the fuck's Denny?" And I'm like, "No, no." How about we go to Denny's and have a cup of coffee and talk about what all that just was? And she's like, great. Okay, great. So we finish wrapping everything up. She gets in the car and I was like, I'll meet you down at the one at at Sunset and uh, Gower. And she's like, great. So she goes and I'm getting in my car and the artistic director is like, oh, hey, Greg, can I get a ride up to uh, up to Franklin and uh, up to up to Franklin and and, uh, Beachwood? And I was like. No, uh, I was like, and, and, but I was literally like the last one leaving besides him and he didn't have a car. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure, John, fine. let's just make it quick. Dude dragged his fucking feet so slow. And like, I get it, like just to get into the car was taking forever. And then I get him over there and he's, he's sitting there talking to me for another five minutes. I'm like, John, I got to go. Like, I got to go. Like, get the, I love you, dude. Get the fuck out of my car. And I finally get him out of the car and I race down there. 
it had been a while. It had been, it been like 20 minutes. Half oh, yeah, half an hour. It was half an hour. Because I, I remember like, you, told, show you, told, you told me that you were actually about to leave by the yeah. time I got there. Ah. And uh, we sat that night and talked until literally sunrise over a basket of fries and just kind of told Many each other fries. our life, life story. <laughs> And that's a good night. Yeah. Where are our fries? Because I feel like we just had that moment with them. Yeah. They have nuts. But then, uh, then yeah, then we had a month of what we call not dating, yeah. uh, which he also has written into one of his plays. <laughs> um, that phrase, not dating, um, where, yeah. where you're doing all the things. That you do when you're dating, but you I mean, tell everyone that you're not, not dating. We're not dating. We're not dating. Not yeah. dating. Right. And then um, it was your idea, actually, that first night, because we're both from the East Coast, we're both going to be going home for Christmas. And I was going she to Massachusetts. She was going to Massachusetts. I was going to D.C. Yeah. And, and you brought it up and you said, well, we should meet in New York. Things like this happen to us where it's just all, oh, but like we got this hotel and then we got to the hotel and they were like, oh, so you guys are kind of checking in sort of late. So like we had to upgrade you because we're out of other rooms. Do you mind? It's the top floor penthouse. Honeymoon it's, suite. Yeah. They were like, it's it's no extra charge. And we're like, sure. Yeah. Um, Annie stayed there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, not, not on the Lower West Side. No, 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 no. But then it was like, it was so beautiful. And it was the day after Christmas mm-hmm. in New York. And like, we're in this incredible suite and we're overlooking the city and it starts snowing. I mean, it was ridiculous. And at oh, one yeah. point he was like, Somebody accidentally brought champagne to the wrong yeah. room <laughs> yeah. and chocolate. Basically. Well, and I mean, there was a bottle of champagne waiting there. Yeah. Right? yeah. And at one point he goes, I think we're dating. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been freaking dating for a month. Men are stupid. <laughs> well, yeah. We had a, and, and I had to laugh because, you know, like from there, it just became official very quickly. Mm-hmm. And everybody had already known. Like, I, got I, was, home. I was the last to know. Or, I, know. Apparently, so. I got home and I said to Aaron, I was like, oh, he's being all boyfriendy now. It's freaking me out. <laughs> Stop being all boyfriendy. Just so, be normal. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh, so what led you guys towards like theater unleashed and, 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 and oh, going well, towards that group? So we had a good core group of people at TU who all really liked working together. There was about 15, 16 of us that were all, we were all really good. And we had done a beautiful production of Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably one of the best shows I've ever been in in LA yeah. or ever. Yeah. It was it was a beautiful, beautiful production. And it was just one of those things where like all these people came together. They were all just the right people at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And it sang. Um, and then the the main thing. But the company, was, just to clarify, Theater Unleashed was not a company it yet. It was not no, a company. No. Theater Unleashed did not exist. This, yeah. this production of Midsummer was at Red Act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so there was this core group of people that we wanted to continue working with. And the thing is, is that the artistic director of that theater ended up moving to New York because he got a job at Carnegie Hall, which when, for when that. you get the offer to be the production manager at Carnegie Hall, you right. take the offer. That's yeah. fantastic. What he didn't do was let go of the reins in Los Angeles. So what was happening was that for our next production, it was like, hey, we need to build a set. We need a budget. And he'd say, oh, okay, great. I'll approve that in a couple days. And then we wouldn't hear from him. And so then we would go out and buy lumber ourselves. And he'd go, oh, great. You got it taken care of. And But wait, but we can't <laughs> afford to reimburse you because you went over budget. Like, well, we don't have a budget. You so know, not, we, not to get too detailed, but yeah. there was just like, there yeah. was issues there from were, above. There were, multiple, it was, um, there were multiple issues. And we all figured out like, 
I mean, no, no disrespect intended here, but it's like, well, we, we work really well together yeah. as a group. So we ended up uh, having a like sort of secret meeting in Aaron's living room. We, we had a couple of those. Under candlelight. Under, and, yeah. yeah. Um, secret knocks. So I think there was like nine of us in the beginning. Well, no, there was, it was 12 of us because we went through the bylaws and we realized that we couldn't put a vote to being like, we need a new artistic director because that's originally what we wanted. We want, I mean, we, we were like, what's the feasibility here of saving the existing company. Mm -hmm. And we realized then reading the bylaws that it required a unanimous uh, vote of the board. uh, And the board, the head of the board at the time was the artistic director. Mm -hmm. uh, And there was no conflict of interest clause. So it's like, well, he's not going to vote himself out. So we basically said over Christmas, uh, between Christmas and New Year's, there was a one week period where one by one, uh, we all uh, like a whole bunch of us. Like I was, I want to say about 20 of us submitted our resignations. And uh, I think I was number four. Mm. And the response I got back was, so where's the new company starting? Mm. Uh, it, and, and it became had, apparent very quickly. Like, and well, it happened to this company several times. Yeah. So, like, it had been an ongoing thing. But, but I mean, like, not to focus on that. I mean, no. we, we want to focus on on TU. But basically, it was just we had this core group of people we wanted to keep working with. Yeah. They kind of became the founding members. We had an open yeah. invitation to anyone else who had been at that previous company. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys can all come with us if you want, or you don't have to. And like, you're we're not and you're welcome anyone. to be a part of both. Yeah. Of like, course. we're not going to force anything anywhere. And you know, be really cool about things. And well, I think the lesson out of this is it is the lesson that goes with anything with kill your darlings and, and allow things, even if you started, if you have an opportunity that's taken you away physically from, if you're physically away from something, it's hard to emotionally and, yeah. and actually support it and keep working with yeah. it. Yeah. And you have to, at one point, some point go, I'm here to support, but I can't be day to day actively in charge yeah and so if you're running something if you start something if opportunity takes you somewhere else you have to be willing to let the reins go so other people can continue to thrive and you know i mean like i said i had nothing but love for for right after my time there and i still think back about it fondly struggles and all you know i i I have nothing but love and respect for those guys it just wasn't working out for us Mm -hmm. anymore so So, now you guys have a company well what do you do we had a group of people (laughs) we had a group of people you had company this is if people were around you we had we had a company in the sense that we had a bunch of people who liked working together and we were all ambitious and wanting to do wanted to collaborate together more right and we thought that's all it that's all it took to run a nonprofit corporation. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. We, we, we have, uh, you know, now that we're 10 years in, we have learned an awful lot, but we were, <laughs> we were actors trying uh, that had stumbled into the roles of being arts administrators and had no idea that a, that we had done that or B what to do next. What that was, yeah. And there was a lot of on the job learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of, a lot of struggles, uh, oh, the first yeah. couple of years. I mean, our first, our first season was the first thing we did was just like a set of original one acts, like this one acts easy, uh, over, did, over at the complex, which, yep. and they actually were, were pretty good. Yeah, they were decent. Um, yeah. And then, um, oh, our, real quick. So you guys weren't established at a specific venue. No, yet. No, no, we were nomadic and we were actually nomadic. Until and is that common in LA? Yes. A Very lot. much so. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's actually more uncommon for small theaters to have their own space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so so the next show we did was The Tempest, and we actually did it here. Oh, nice. We, we found Studio oh, wow. Stage, that's and we how, rented That's how we found Studio, studio stage. stage, and Bill Starrett um, uh, rented it to us. He was the owner at the time. He'd been running Studio Stage for about five years at that point. Uh, he was, he's an MFA uh, playwright out of Yale. 
and uh, he loves the theater and he has a real passion for it. And he bought this place to give a venue when a lot of venues were being uh, turned into dispensaries. Uh, and he also was using it to put up his own stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was mostly doing it as a rental house and we rented from him. And after, after Tempest, I remember he came up to Aaron and I and he's like, you guys take really good care of my space. Like, you guys do such a great job here. I really appreciate that. When I retire, uh, I want to sell it to you. And we're like, okay, And we're whatever, like, okay, Bill. Bill, yeah, whatever. That's bullshit. <laughs> Seriously, like, this place is a fucking gold mine. Like, come on, you're not going to do that. And yeah. we're like, okay, cool, thanks, man. And that was that was 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. You know, we thought we had, like, a really big success because we had a successful first season where we, we didn't, did. nothing was critically panned. Like, all right, we, you know. <laughs> we uh, don't suck. We, 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 had, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was season two where we premiered, um, where Friends Like These premiered, which was uh, my first... Uh, full-length play that I ever wrote. The Super Sidekick was the one act that I wrote. Oh, and we should also talk about Side this. Side note, Super Side Sidekick. Note, yeah. So Super, Super Sidekick, which is the one that I said, you should make that into a musical. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we moved in together um, <laughs> about in the middle of the first season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so at one point, so we're, I think it's after we're engaged, uh, he was going to some meeting and I said, where are you going? And he said, oh, I'm meeting with a composer, some mm-hmm. guy I met on Craigslist. And I was like, what are you meeting a composer for? And he said, well, because I never forgot that idea of turning Super Psychic into a musical that you had. And I was like, oh, I just wanted to talk to you. <laughs> but okay. But, but then it worked Super out. Psychic and, and oh, the music for Super Psychic is amazing. It's by Mike Shapiro and he's awesome. Yeah. And it goes with the story so well. And so. And it had actually, the, the play by itself had gotten turned down by a couple of publishers. And yeah. they're, they're all like, this is great. But it's it missing needs something. More. It, it it's needed, missing something. It needs to be a musical. And so, so then yeah. with my background in mus- in children's theater, I offered to direct it for the first for the premiere that we just put up because we were like, well, let's do and it. And that was 2010. That was a little after Friends Like These. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. But it and then <laughs> because you know, we need more gross stuff in this podcast. Um, it happened to open on our first wedding anniversary. <laughs> and Jen and Jen directed <laughs> it. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, like it was meant to be. It was adorable, <laughs> but um, but now that because it is a musical and it's a really strong musical, it it um was, has been published by Samuel French. Well, it went it went to the New York Fringe in 2012. We mm-hmm. we partnered with a company, a theater company out there, and uh, just as they were getting offered their encore, we got offered the publishing contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and it it travels like it goes it gets licensed yeah. all over the country. Um, um, I got somebody. I mean, it's it's been licensed all Canada. over North America and Canada. Um, and I I had somebody in Scotland trying to put it up, but she was 16 and had no idea what she was doing. Yeah. But I was trying to support her from afar. But be, like, you know, that's yeah. so cool. And it's because yeah. of me. And so <laughs> you're writing or creating a musical while at the same time trying to figure out how to run a theater company. Yeah. yeah. And also and at the time and LA. survive in L.A. <laughs> and in, and also we had the economic crash in 2008 where I lost both of my survival jobs. And we actually were both unemployed walking down the aisle. <laughs> yeah. That was that was fascinating. So how did you guys get by? Well, state of California covered my most of my expenses for uh, 2009 and, and with a little help from my family. Um, uh, but as soon as we got back from our honeymoon. Yeah. Well, I actually so for a little while I had a, um, a business that. Uh, that Aaron and I ran together. We actually ran a tutoring center together. Um, and that had varying levels of success, but mostly failure. But one of the things that we did, though, was that we had several students uh, who we basically were sort of like running a one-room schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. So so we had three students that we were doing their entire high school, or one of them was eighth grade, mm-hmm. curriculum. 
And Aaron and I ended up just like doing all that teaching. So that's how we kind of got by a little bit that year. And then calling our parents. Um, <laughs> and then it was so, yeah, it's silliness. I but, mean, you know, mad props to both of our families for being <laughs> so supportive of our crazy artistic dreams. Honestly, yeah. I, I couldn't have stayed out here without, without, the, help, uh, without the help of my family. And uh, honestly, you know, I had call center jobs. I had, uh, I, I was selling web services. I was selling printer toner for a little while. I was selling uh, pretty much anything and everything you could sell over the phone. And then when the economy crashed, I got laid off of both jobs like almost immediately. Yeah. And, and then after our wedding, then we both came back and we were like, okay, we got to get some freaking job. Yeah. Um, and I, I have a lot of teaching experience. So I worked at Linda Mood Bell, which is a very specialized reading program for kids who are either on the spectrum or are just really, really struggling with reading. Mm -hmm. So I was there for like three and a half years, actually. And um, I got, um, and at this point I said, okay, well, I, I just before we got married, I fired my agent because she was terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a break for a little while from doing TV and film because I was, I was working these crazy call center jobs and working these crazy hours uh, so I could keep auditioning. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to take a break for a minute because I'm kind of burnt out. Uh, I will come back to this. But for the moment, I'm going to, stick with theater unleashed and writing for mm -hmm. the creative outlets and get rid of my agent. And I'm just going to have a normal nine to five for a little while because I want the health benefits and I want the stability of the paycheck mm -hmm. and everything else. And I wound up uh, answering, I, I, I got a job doing web design for this guy who was a music teacher uh, who did uh, music lessons via Skype for people around the world. And he's like, I need you to be my in-house web designer. And I was like, great. And he was like 12 bucks an hour. I'd be commuting from, uh, NoHo all the way down to like close to LAX. So I mean, it was so like El Segundo-ish. Yeah, El Segundo-ish yeah, area. You know, uh, oh, no, it was it was um, Miracle Mile. Oh, that's, was, that's where I live. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, it was still way the hell. Oh yeah, down it's, there. A, it's a drive. Uh, but and, and and that would be like a daily commute where I'd just be hacking on code at his place and uh, like on a lark. Like I had my first day with that, and on a lark, I, I had an, an email for an interview with some company who I didn't even know what they were. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it, they were like 10 bucks an hour plus benefits starting. And I'm like, okay, great. And I, and it was, but it was 10 minutes from my apartment. Mm -hmm. And I walk in the front door and find a life-size Boba Fett statue standing in the doorway. And I realized like, oh, what is this? <laughs> and I walk in and this was a company called Gentle Giant. And they made high, they manufactured high-end uh, collectibles mm -hmm. for popular IPs like Harry Potter, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's cool. We got Marvel while I was working there, G.I. Joe, like a whole bunch of stuff. You know, sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. And I got hired to be their marketing and community manager mm -hmm. and customer service guy. Like, you know, it's still a small company. Mm -hmm. um, but and meanwhile, this is like the fourth or fifth season of TU. Like, no, no, still... season three. Oh, season three. Oh my gosh, season three. Yeah, she, and season three is the season we don't speak. <laughs> oh, it was a disaster. But I mean, so like while we're still doing all these like survival jobs, and I mean the thing is in LA, and I still I've been here for fifteen years, and I cannot figure out how people do just the survival job. Like you need to make a crap ton of money mm -hmm. and have benefits to friggin' live. You know, like mm -hmm. I don't know how people do it. Yeah. Um, I have a question. So all of this is going on. You guys are trying to make ends meet, trying to run a theater company that's having on and off seasons. <laughs> and that we're, you know, and, and that we're sinking tons of money into yeah. to right. keep it afloat. So why do you do it? Dude, I ask myself that all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's an I excellent question. Because at least for me, so, so for me personally, um, I am only just now starting to think like I should maybe pursue TV and film stuff. Um, 
because I have a whole bunch of other like crazy insecurities that I'm like, that I f- I'm holding myself back from that. But, um, so I, th- this is my creative outlet always. And so like, I can, I can do the thing where I commute to Santa Monica every day and I try to coax little kids to read when they really don't want to read and like <laughs> fight with them for eight hours because we I know. saw each other during that time. Too. I know. Because yeah. I know that that night I'm going to go to rehearsals, you know, like that, because the, the creative outlet was the only thing that I had in terms of something else mm-hmm. that wasn't the day job. Um, and, and what has happened, I think, like more so in the past couple of years is that at least our roles in Theater Unleashed have, have sort of shifted a little bit more towards the like, now this feels a little bit more like a day job because mm-hmm. it's very like the administrative mm-hmm. part of it. At that point, I wasn't the artistic director. And a lot of the a lot of the core group that we started with have gone on. on to other things, you know. And so it's like we're in like the fourth or fifth generation of people in Theater Unleashed, and it's like you could tell who the small core of the old guard is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a whole bunch of newer people that have their own dreams and aspirations and agendas and stuff like that. And it's not just about the nine of us co-founders kicking ass and taking names because we want to do something really cool it's now it's like now it's like well we're providing a a home and a service and an environment for Mm -hmm. others which is wonderful but it's easy to get personally like resentful about that a little bit of like Mm -hmm. i am putting in so much time and effort and money because we still have the passion for it like it was year one Mm -hmm. and when people come in and they don't have that same level of passion and excitement for it or that same accountability and responsibility towards it that we feel like we do we we admit like I admit readily I've gotten resentful and bitter about that because I feel like I I mean we've cleaned out our savings account on three separate occasions to save the company from folding mm-hmm. um, and a lot thousands of, times, of dollars at a time a lot of times yeah. the company didn't even know that but mm-hmm. it was just like we just have to save it yeah yeah and so so you know I mean but but that's I think that that's like the power of the creative outlet that you have made happen yeah. Um, it's, it's the power and the pitfall of it Mm -hmm. because it's very, very hard for us to walk away. Yeah. And we both have had many times when we're like, forget it, we're out, blah. But I can never actually let myself do that because I mean, this is our baby. This is our like. I had a, six months ago, I had a resignation letter. No, not even six months ago. No, it was June. It was middle of June, middle of last week. Side note. I had, I had a. uh, Never have a meeting about what to do about your company in the middle of fringe. Don't ever do that. Hollywood fringe. Uh, Hollywood fringe. Yeah, but we'll talk about Hollywood fringe in a second. Yeah, we will. But uh, yeah, I had a resignation letter primed and ready to go in the middle of June this year because I was just like, I'm fucking done mm-hmm. and didn't send it. And I definitely am glad that I was smart enough to yeah. realize what was going on at the time because I'm like, I'm burnt crispy right now. I'm going to wait until things smooth over a little bit. Mm-hmm. Things are at a halt. I'm high for stress. I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen to my therapist and just not, you know, <laughs> like not jump off the ledge right now. I think know? that's something that's really important. And I think Daniel you can attest to this. I know I felt this way. In this town, it can feel like so much is all happening all at once. Yeah. And yeah. it gets to that point where you're at the brink. And I think it is having the strength to have that voice of like, it's okay if I need to take a break from this right now. And and we did. We've actually had a really nice two-month break. And mm-hmm. now we're, we're, we're starting to really get kicked into high gear for next year, um, finally. Uh, but we, we definitely needed that mental health break of getting away from TU for a hot minute so we can have clarity of thought. Um, so, so what's, what's your strategy when it comes to running the theater or running 
the company, you know, what is y'all's, you know, we do this and then we're going to do this and we make sure this happens and this is how we're going to get the budget. Like kind of what's your system? <laughs> well, that has shifted mm-hmm. yeah, considerably over the years. It's still kind of nebulous right now, as a matter of fact, yeah. because we've shifted business models. I mean, we're still a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time there, we were a reduced paying company and people were paying 40 bucks a month. And then about half, five years in, we voted it down to 20 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all that did was hurt us, honestly, because we lost out on about $10,000 a year in dues. Mm-hmm. Um, and we felt that impact, but we kept pressing on because we wanted, ultimately, we had a vision for a dues-free company. And we had a situation last year where we were resident up at a theater in North Hollywood. It's the Belfry Stage, which is a theater that we actually built. Like, we actually helped do the renovation on this mm-hmm. uh, attic chapel in a church in North Hollywood and turn it into a 45-seat black box. And mm-hmm. it, was one of my, it was one of my greatest points of pride. And we'd had a, a string of just shows that weren't doing well financially. And it got to the point where we were three days out from opening uh, The Woman in Black. We were two months behind on the rent and we hadn't paid the uh, the license for the rights yet. And this is in year nine. This is I year mean, nine. I mean, like, that's the like, thing. This, like, here's the thing, guys. This is not like, and, and, and it's like this for a lot of small companies. Like, mm-hmm. so it, this yeah. can happen to anybody. You know, so I, I'm not beating myself up because here's the other thing. We have never taken a paycheck from from running Theater and Leash. No. This is this is a, a California nonprofit corporation that is run 100 percent by volunteers. Always has been. I don't want it to stay that way. Mm. But, you know, our annual budget went from about seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year at our peak when we produced 27 shows in year 10 in, in year three, 2010. Oh, mm-hmm. and we uh, we had a lot of one. We had a lot of one offs and late nights and had all kind. We had programming coming out of our ass. But you know, we were splitting our audiences too much and that caused a whole bunch of problems. Um, so, but as we've narrowed our focus and everything else, the budget has come down to about 50 grand a year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we got to the point where people were behind on dues and the shows weren't doing well. And the one thing about when you have your own space is that that rent is due on the first, whether you're producing or not. Mm-hmm. So you wind up producing. We had we, we always wound up, we never wanted to take a break immediately after Fringe, but we always found ourselves taking a couple, uh, couple of months after Fringe to take a break mm-hmm. because you needed it. Like, the Hollywood Fringe mm-hmm. Festival is one of the most incredible experiences you could ever have theatrically in Los Angeles, hands down. But it wears on you. It is almost a month long at this point, and it is a marathon. Yeah. And you come out of it spent, and your audiences come out of it spent. Nobody's going to see shit in July or August, man. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so... We scheduled we scheduled uh, Woman in Black to open in October. October. Yeah. Yeah. And so we had to pay July, August, September rent and October rent mm-hmm. uh, with nothing going on. Mm-hmm. And that cleaned out the coffers. And I, I was hoping for strong pre-sales. I was hoping for all kinds of stuff. Uh, fringe shows, you're lucky if you break even, mm-hmm. you know. So and our in our spring show that year hadn't done as well as we'd hoped. So we were, it was a great show. We did a Mice and Men and it was fantastic. And it, was it like, still did really well. Oh, it, it did really well, but it was. Uh, but not enough to cover us for like I mean, when, when you're paying, yeah, it's not enough, it wasn't enough to cover six months worth of rent. You know, it just wasn't. So we get to uh, October and we, we look at each other and my grandmother had just passed and we would just gotten a chunk of an inheritance. And I looked at Jen and I was like. This is the only way. This is the only way to use going to keep its doors open beyond the end of the week. Mm-hmm. So we took $5,000 and, you know, paid the back rent, paid the rights and opened the show, hoping that Woman in Black would do well. And it was an incredible production. And it just never caught. 
It just never caught. And I mean, we tried. Which was super surprising because it's a well-known show. It's it a was gr- and a it was great a, production. It was a great production. Jake, uh, Jake and Spencer and Adam did a, yeah. and 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 our woman did a fantastic job. Um, I was, was one of the proudest shows I've ever had. You know, like yeah. we were incredibly proud of it. But we just didn't. It, it just it just never caught. So we went sliding kind of face first into our holiday shows that year, which gave us just enough of a boost that we said we're going to take. I, I remember that when the night that I cut the checks and got everybody caught up, I sat down with the staff and was like, this is what I just did, guys. That came out of our pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the reason why we don't take vacations. This is the reason why we don't, you know, have, uh, you know, nice things. <laughs> <laughs> You're the reason we don't have nice yeah. things. Um, but, but it's like, just but, wanted to be and, and no, and honestly, nobody else was in a position to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm lucky that my grandmother, I mean, I hate to say this, <laughs> but I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that, that, that we, we had that. Had that, that and she was so cash. generous to yeah. leave yeah, exactly. that to you. And she was incredibly generous to me and to the rest of her grandchildren. Uh, and, and, and I'm incredibly grateful for that because my grandmother uh, helped us keep our company going, helped mm-hmm. keep our dream alive. So I'm incredibly grateful to her mm-hmm. and her memory for that. But, you know, but it was literally timing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. had, you know, so we, and we were, and we were also like ten months into running studio stage at that point too. Like we had just bought the place in January, mm-hmm. and we were like, we're we're working around here, going like, oh, it like everything goes dead from July to about mid September. Like mm-hmm. so, we were hurting all over, mm-hmm. you know. Like it was slow all over, and we we worked really hard to keep uh, the the cash in, uh, flow coming in this year, and I think we've done a pretty decent job of that. But yeah, we were learning the ins and outs of running a venue last year on top of doing all of this and it was not a it was not a pretty situation mm-hmm. um but everybody agreed like i i i was like here's we got three options i said we can either fold after woman in black we can go dark for a year reorganize uh commit to fundraising commit to a better plan and uh come back and kick ass or we can commit to to kicking everything in the teeth here going balls deep as hard as we can right now and selling Woman in Black, selling the holiday shows, mm-hmm. and then going really strong with the keep next going. season. And just keep pressing forward. And I thought that everybody was going to take the third option. And they shocked the hell out of me when everybody on our staff, and it was like, what, a seven, nine-person staff at yeah. the time? Everybody voted to take a year off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's having that check of, like, we're feeling burnt out or everybody something. Everybody was burnt out. I mean, well, half the staff stepped down in January. And what, too, the, so. what the staff said was... We have to look at it as right now, today, we're, we folded. Mm-hmm. Because if we did not have this literal angel donor, mm-hmm. we're done. Yeah. And, and I mean, I went home and cried and cried that night. Like, I mean, that, that was, was a, that was a tough night. That was, I mean, and, and letting go of that space was like, we built this and without this anchor, mm-hmm. everything's going to just disappear. And, and it's so funny because like, Theater Unleashed causes us so much like stress and anxiety and whatever. Theater but- Unleashed is the unruly bastard. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Here's, here's the thing. I, I'm, I have a, a three-year-old son. Uh, children, all that. That is what children are. Yeah, people ask about you, kids. You, 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 you love your baby, but you don't always like your baby. Yes. <laughs> I, I love Nolan to death, 
I don't always like Nolan. <laughs> and so that's fair. So there's it, it. It's that that theater unleashed was your baby. You yeah. you yeah. birthed it. You you gave it life. You you supported it through maturity and and into what it was through nine years and ten years. You know. And and, and that's and that's what a chi- that's how you feel about a child. Sure. I I love Nolan, but man, he it, frustrates it has, the crap out of me. It, it has it has given us like without theater unleashed, I wouldn't be published. Without theater unleashed, mm-hmm. I never would have had. Plays of mine have off-Broadway premieres. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would never have gotten some of the greatest roles in my life. Mm-hmm. I never would have won Best Actor for uh, playing uh, a Lennian of Mice and Men without mm-hmm. Theater Unleashed. Uh, we there, wouldn't have most of our friends. We wouldn't have most our of our friends. social circle. We wouldn't it, have studio stage or, yeah. or, or stagecraft our right business. now. We wouldn't have our business right now that we make our living from without Theater Unleashed. At the same time, Theater Unleashed has cost me immensely <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean f- financially mm-hmm. mentally spiritually physically uh <laughs> i mean i have i have i have lost friends and made lifelong enemies over mm-hmm. this company and i uh i also you also made lifelong friends i have oh i have absolutely made lifelong friends and i value them more than anything else in this entire world uh but i also went against my own union to protect the ability for theater unleashed to keep going uh, when I helped raise $75,000 for the 99-seat community to sue Actors' Equity mm-hmm. over the 99-seat agreement. Uh, and <laughs> I know they're watching me very closely because I just got a, a little checkup letter from them about a show that I'm doing at the Complex right now uh, because the paperwork hadn't been filed in a timely fashion. So I got a letter from the West Coast Regional Director saying, you're, do- you're working off the card like you're going to be sanctioned. Mm-hmm. And I called the producers and they got it all straightened out. But it was... But I know they're watching me. So knowing the cost and knowing how much work you've put in, if you could go back and and, and talk to, uh, you know, Greg and Jen. Baby baby Greg and baby Jen. You know, what what would you tell them? What would be the like three pieces of advice that you would give them? Would you you do it? And would you do it? That is such a good question. Not not moving to L.A. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like after right, you know, the the, the right, yeah. Would you do it? I think I would still say to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it has also enriched our lives so greatly and like and also taught us skills that we didn't know we had. Mm-hmm. Like I consider my myself a producer now and I never would have done that. Same. Um, I co-founded the Theatrical Producers League of Los Angeles because of because yeah. of what I learned from being a producer. Um, I can I can su- successfully um, work with our producers who are our renters here because I'm a producer first, and that blows my mind sometimes. We have we have incredibly um, successful fringe shows here when people come and listen to yes, us. Yes, we're yes. also the only company that has produced every year at Fringe since the beginning through 2018. So, so we're, the only, we're the only ones left yes. that have been every year. There are definitely things that I would say not to do, like mm-hmm. don't take on a space too early. Yeah. Oh god. Uh, yeah. Don't feel that you have to produce constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, Focus on quality, not quantity. Yes. One of the things actually moving forward, um, I, I just came from a, produ- a pre-production meeting before we I got here, um, is we're looking to do two to three week runs. We mm-hmm. used to do six to eight. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, in this town, you have the issue of... Everybody comes opening everyone. and everybody comes closing. Yeah. And then you yeah. have these weeks in the middle where there's freaking crickets. Mm-hmm. But it's been really interesting working 
uh, as a as a venue manager and seeing what people bring in here. So there's a company called Flat Tire who I love we and love adore. These guys. They, and they say that they want to be where we are in 10 years and we say, oh dear God, don't make the same mistake. <laughs> no, 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 but we, we, but, I, but I, I, I love and admire these kids because they are us 10 years ago. Yes, right. and I look at them and I'm like, I want your energy and passion and stuff that you guys still have. And I want these um, guys to succeed even more than we Yeah, have. I know. I, but I mean, one of the yeah. things that they do that I'm actually stealing from them <laughs> is they do two-week runs. Mm. They do yeah. two-week runs and they do six to ten shows. And they're like, hey, man, get here. Mm-hmm. And every single one of their shows sold is out. 100% sold out. Yeah. And and like with press, press in this town, like... Fuck them. Oh, For yeah. the most part. But... <laughs> But like there, there are a couple of good ones. There, yes. I mean, Stephen Stanley is a champion for the ninety nine yeah, seat scene. Stephen Lee Morris uh, used to be the editor in chief for the uh, for theatrical reviews in, uh, in the LA Weekly. Now he's the head of the LA Stage Alliance, and he's the editor in chief. Or he's the uh, founding editor of Stage Raw. <clears throat> if you work in Los Angeles theater and you run into Stephen Lee Morris, you you owe the man a drink. Like <laughs> yeah, he's just, awesome. he should never have to buy his own drinks in this town again. Because I I have met. Like he's he's one of the top three people who I think has given the most to this com- uh, to this entire culture mm-hmm. with expecting nothing in return. But but you know one of the things that is always a struggle, sort of with any small theater in LA, is getting press there early enough. A lot of times press will sometimes just because they're scheduled. It's not because they're being malicious, but a lot of times you know they're like, oh yeah, I can make it in the fourth week. Yeah. Well, that doesn't help us. No, mm-hmm. like, because I, then the review comes out after you close sometimes, right. which we've had happen. But. You know, if you have a two to three week run, you're like, look, we have a press preview. Get there. Mm-hmm. If you can't get there, we don't need you. It's fine. You know? And yeah. like, Jim's probably going to be mad at me for saying that publicly. But I, but, but like, Whatever. but it's okay. You know? I, I mean. I mean, this is this is the Hollywood hustle. This is where we talk about the This is the real deal, Holyfield. Yeah. So, well, and I was also going to say, like, Greg, any piece of advice that you would give as well for like the upcoming like flat tire or any of these young companies coming up? Um, always do fringe. Always do fringe. That's that's absolutely. You're not gonna piece, make money, but do it. That that's a piece of advice. Um, get to know your peers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were whole shows that I I don't want to pat myself on the back here, but we had whole productions where when the coffers were running dry or we were having massive problems that I would put a post out on Big Cheap or I would call somebody that I'd met at the Fringe Festival or something like that or I would just throw up. You know, throw up the bat signal uh, saying, help us. We need, you know, 1940s. Uh, we need a 1940s whack uniform. We need uh, we need uh, chests. We need treasure chests. We need something, whatever. Mm-hmm. The community came running in spades. Knightsbridge, when they were still around, uh, single-handedly costumed and propped our entire production of Julius Caesar. Yeah. Uh, which we, we also did here. Which we also <laughs> did here at Studio Stage. When we rented uh, yeah. <laughs> Studio Stage. But... Um, you know, I think don't isolate yourself. Don't don't I isolate yourself. Are you know, if I'm going to speak critically about one one person at all, and I'm going to let it remain nameless, but our uh, the one of our original leaders was very uh, had had a very much us against them mentality, mm-hmm. and you you like don't make friends with anybody; they are your enemy, mm-hmm. and that was precisely That's- the wrong. He's like you're in competition with everybody here. That was precisely the wrong attitude. They uh, originally, our, our original AD and board president, didn't want to do the Hollywood Fringe Festival its first year because they were pissed it wasn't in North Hollywood where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "That's fucking stupid." Uh, and we had just had I, we just had the world premiere of uh, Friends Like These 
It was the first show the Theater Unleashed ever did that got to go from the LA Weekly. That was a huge, it was a big deal. And it didn't have a single company member in the show. I might add, it was it was mm-hmm. like a it was a big unusual thing for us. Um, but I I knew that we had something special. I was incredibly proud of it. A friend of mine said, "Take it to the New York Fringe," and I was googling about New York Fringe, and I stumbled on the Hollywood Fringe Festival website six months before it happened, and just kind of threw myself into it. And uh, I was told by our AD and our board president at the time that we're not going to support you. Mm. You know, you can't use the company name. You can't use the company insurance. You can't do shit. And I said, fine, fuck you. I'll do it myself. And I did. And I did Hollywood with an eye of getting to New York. But when I started getting involved with all the Hollywood stuff, I was like, there's an incredible community here. Mm. And we get to the festival actually happening. And I find out that somewhere about a month before the festival opened, uh, the board president and our artistic director got cast in, a, in a, another somebody else's fringe <laughs> show because they wanted to be there. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, uh-huh. And suddenly I'm, you know, I'd, I'd spent eight months of my life raising uh, $12,000 to put to basically do this production in Hollywood and then take it to New York. And suddenly in the middle of Hollywood fringe, they're like, well, you can use the TU name uh, taking it to, <laughs> to New York if you want, mm-hmm. you know, and all. And I'm kind of like, yeah, fine, whatever. And less than three months later, like right after we got back from New York, there was a change in leadership. And suddenly I'm the managing director of the company. So like, and I think like that, like in terms of like, um, advice for like new producers or or new people in LA, I, I I mean, I know we've already said this a million times, but like, I cannot stress enough the value of the Hollywood French festival. Um, and, and people come to us all the time and are like, yeah, but like, I'm not going to make any money. And like, why would I do that? It's because of that community. Um, it's and the quickest way to get to know. It's fantastic. The community. Mm-hmm. And like a great example that I always give is that when we were doing a musical, we were doing a musical a couple of years ago called Pope. And about three or four weeks into rehearsal, we lost our music director mm-hmm. because he had a gig and he it like took him out of town. Yeah, it was. And, uh, he was also the the composer and he had a he was going on tour with his band. Yeah. And, and, and that so, got dropped on us. And then like one music director after another fell through and it was horrible. And like you were kind of having, he was the director. He was kind of like having a meltdown about it. This is the first play I'd ever directed. Yeah. And it was a big complicated music. And I said, fine. I said, you know what? And you were going somewhere. You were like going to work or something. And I said, you know what? I will fix this. I didn't know what I was going to do. But I got on Facebook and I messaged every single person that I could think of that I ever had met at the Hollywood Fringe. Some of which I had never like privately talked to before. Right. And within an hour, I had... Tony Gonzalez, who is one of the best music directors we've ever worked with. And he's been a constant uh, collaborator ever since then. Mm. And we didn't know him before then. And it was just like a friend of a friend. And like, oh, I've worked with this guy before. He's and he's great. doing us a favor. Mm. And yeah. it was amazing. So like Hollywood French. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'll say I've, I've dipped my, my toes in a lot of different content and media creations. Uh, I, I, I've, I've gotten to know the, the YouTube content creation space a lot by uh, talking to other YouTubers and meeting some YouTubers and uh, obviously podcasting. <laughs> um, I've, I've done theater, uh, other different uh, variations of, this, of, of content creation and media and art. And across the board, it is always collaborate, collaborate, oh, collaborate. Absolutely. It is always don't burn bridges, support each other because and to take a quote from my favorite show of all time, you either live together or you die alone. Absolutely. And you, you cannot, you know, you can't do this yourself. You have to do it with others. And yeah. you're always going to need somebody who is mm-hmm. smarter than you, who knows something more than you, 
eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you burn those bridges, they're not going to help you. Or if they do, they're going to charge you a buttload of money that you don't have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like now it's really crazy because we've realized that like we're the people people come to for right. like, I don't know what I'm doing. You're smarter than me. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Okay. No, like when we started this podcast well over a year ago, I know we even st- talked then about like wanting to talk to you guys because when I think of LA theater community, Jen and Greg Crafts. That's so weird. Oh, that is weird. You know? <laughs> but, but I also think like, you know, and because I am a part of I am a part of Theater Unleashed and everything, it's so important to just have that community, a community of friends. You were talking yeah. earlier, like you can't imagine not having Theater Unleashed because it gave you that family, it gave you that tribe. And that's been the same for me. And we've like I've had people from Theater Unleashed, you know, either talk to me in person or, or email me or message me or something and just say, like, you uh, the Theater Unleashed has changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like I was about to leave LA or I was in a terrible place in my life. Or I had just gotten here and I knew nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this community has changed my life. And like as an artistic director, like when I do uh, company auditions, which I don't do very often, but when I do, one of the things, ooh, secret insider tip here. Yeah. One of the things I always Because this is the Hollywood hustle. <laughs> no. So uh, I will have people audition, they'll do a monologue, whatever. Like mm-hmm. anyone can do a monologue. Like you can have. We, we know for a fact that anybody can do a really well coached yeah, monologue. Yeah, you can have a really well coached monologue. Fine. Right. I'll usually do, have them do a cold read. And mm-hmm. then I'll say, why do you want to join a company? Mm-hmm. And there's usually two answers I'll get. One of them is, well, I really want to get out in front of like casting directors and like get famous and whatever. Usually it's not that obvious, but that's mm-hmm. essentially what, what they're they saying. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like. Mur, mur. And honestly, if, if I hear that answer and they are a magnificent actor, I'm probably not going to invite them into the company yeah. mm-hmm. because a lot, because if that's their only answer, yeah. if that's their answer and then they also say, but I'm really excited about creating something new and like being on stage and blah, blah, blah. Great. Working that's, a, that's a yeah, different story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if I get someone who is a pretty good actor, maybe not like, wow, this is the greatest person I've ever seen, mm-hmm. but someone who I really see a lot of potential in and they say, who's competent. Yes. And they say, I am looking for a community where I can create, where I can collaborate, where I can work with other artists, get to know other people and make something really amazing. That's the person I'm going to bring into the company. And it's funny because like we've had a lot of people, people that you probably know that like maybe kind of started out as the B squad and now they're like incredible. And it's because they've been on stage over and over and over and they are really honing their craft and they're getting better and better. They're not there to be seen and get famous, right. you know? No. It I makes know all that, the difference. I know that working on our stage has made me a better actor. I also know that directing a show, directing a show is actually one of the greatest things I ever, one of the greatest favors I ever did for myself as an actor because mm-hmm. I learned so much. Right. Writing a show was like informative to me as an actor. Producing shows is informative yeah. to me as an actor because boy, oh boy, as a producer, you learn really quickly what's appropriate and what's not. You know how to read the room and you know how to just come in and handle your business and not piss people off. And you, as if you produce something, you learn the behaviors and the habits that the good actors have mm-hmm. that makes you want to work with them again. And then you adopt them yourself. Absolutely. You know? And yeah. yeah. So, but I wouldn't have had any of these opportunities if we hadn't been crazy enough to say, yeah, fuck it. We could do this ourselves and we could do it better. <laughs> so, you it know? Is, um, so it is worth it. Like, no, I mean, I know that we're like talking about all the like, it was so hard, yeah. but it, it is worth it. It's just, we, we, had, we get tired. We had, yeah, we get, we get tired. We had a lot of enthusiasm and no idea what the fuck we were doing. Which is probably good. Started, which is great because had we known, 
I think a lot of us would have thought twice, honestly. Uh, but you know, I mean, and I think it's I been had- harder this past year and a half because we've started this business, and it's also been very confusing because we're like, we run Theater Unleashed, and we also run a venue. But they're not the same things. But sometimes Theater Unleashed is here. But usually they're not. But at yeah. French they are. Like, it's and so we ridiculous. Get a, we get a lot of people going like, oh, Theater Unleashed is now resident at a studio no. stage. It's like, no, that's not quite true. Although it looks like it We're might be true put for a next year. Um, um, you know, but the thing is, is like, yeah, people people know us through TU. And now they're getting noticed at studio stage. It's natural to conflate all three. Yeah. It's really incestuous and complicated, but a little bit more separated than people understand. Yeah. But, I mean... I think, you know, yeah, I, I ultimately, I think if I could go back to myself 10 years ago, I'd say do it. There's so much. <laughs> I'd say, well, I mean, I, I needed to you because I needed, I needed to have, if I wasn't doing TV and film, I needed to have sanity. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was my one creative outlet. And when, even when I was at my darkest, when I was promoted to being a sales manager and I was incredibly unhappy with my life, I still had to you. And I had Jen, and that was about what was keeping me balanced and afloat. And uh, when I finally left that job and was driving Uber and Lyft full time to try and make a living, which, by the way, you can't do, um, uh, I still had TU. And it's been, uh, you know, I've held on to this company with a death grip because it's it's what's kept me going through my darkest times and has been my artistic outlet, been my community, been my home. Mm-hmm. Here's something about the LA theater community. A year and a half ago, he was driving Lyft full time or a little bit more than a year and a half ago, two years ago, maybe? Uh, it, it was just two almost years two years ago. Um, yeah. And his car was totaled. Um, I got I got hit, hit head on on Western, as a matter of fact, which yeah. is, we're sitting on Western Avenue right now. I got hit head on about 30 blocks south of here. Um, by a stolen car, it was a whole situation. Yeah. It was about two and a half weeks before Christmas, and we were doing It's a Wonderful Life. I was directing it, and uh, he lost his car and his job. And this, by the way, was the second car that got totaled. <laughs> he lost his car and his job in the same second. He was okay, but... I walked away, which was a miracle. Yeah, but it was devastating. Uh, we had already bought that car with insurance money from the other car. All the insurance money did was pay that one off. We had nothing. Now, well, like, I have a car, but, like, you... Need a car in LA, and um, I, and I said, at that point I was done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I said to the rest of the staff at TU without him there, I said, "Do you guys think we could George Bailey him up a car?" And they were like, "Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> and so we did a GoFundMe or whatever. Yeah, yeah it was let's go find GoFundMe. Um, on I had no idea about any of this, and and we secretly put it out to everyone we could possibly think of in the theater community and beyond, but most of it was theater community. Um, and we raised enough money to have a very used, but a working car mm. in the garage on Christmas morning. Oh, yay. And it was amazing. I and contributed to that. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and thank it you was, again. it was amazing. It was 120 something people that all contributed and they were, some of them were like celebrities we knew through the pro 99 movement. And it was all people that were like, Thank you for giving me opportunities. Thank you for for everything that you do in this community. Thank you for putting me on your stage. Like it was the coolest thing ever. And like that is one of those things that like when we do get resentful, when we do get like, oh, we're just creating opportunities for everyone. Like we have to remember that there is like this community is amazing and that like 
they bought you a car. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. Well, guys, I want to thank you. I mean, I this has been, been amazing. Uh, I, I want to have you guys back on. We'll consider this part one. Uh, <laughs> we'll have you back on to talk more about like studio stage and, and the business of running a, a, a theater and going more hopefully in depth of that. But Absolutely. this has just been incredible just to hear y'all's journeys together and separately and, and, and the struggles that you've guys gone through, especially with just building a company in itself, a theater <laughs> company and, and the struggles mm -hmm. of that. Uh, uh, Michael, thank you so much as always. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I mean, like, I, you guys have been part of my L.A. family now since 2015, 2014. Yeah. One of those years. Yeah. So I, I remember meeting you and you were introduced to me as Gordon's roommate. Oh, yeah. Yes. We also have two uh, marriages that are coming out of directly out of TU. Yep. And not, I'm one. No, well, 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 you're, you're number three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you three. didn't meet her yeah, at yeah, TU. Yeah, yeah. We have two coming up true. that that have all met because of TU, which is really cool. All right. Where can people find you if they want to fi follow you on so, uh, social media or websites? Um, well, uh, on we have to get better at doing that because we've had a year <laughs> off. Well, um, uh, I've got uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, just Gregory Crafts and GregoryCrafts.com if you want to look me up personally. Oh, uh, personally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, also you can go to StagecraftsLLC.com if you want to learn more about us or our properties. Uh, there's uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube, you could find Studio Stage at Studio Stage LA. And we also have the Belfry Stage, which is where Theater Unleashed started out. That is also a space that we now manage for somebody else. Uh, and that is the Belfry Stage on all those platforms. And theaterunleashed.org. Which I'm still rebuilding. <laughs> uh, but like our Instagram is Theater Unleashed. Yeah. We're, we're going to revamp Twitter, all. theater. It's it's theater unleashed, but without the E before the D. So it's theater unleashed. Right. We're going to, I'm actually going to revamp all the social media before we launch next season. So that we'll, we'll give you an updated slate. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, before we go, uh, before we even start recording, I asked you guys to give me six numbers. Oh, yeah. Uh, between oh, one and 167. And funny enough, you mentioned this earlier, but before Facebook and after Friendster, there was a wonderful place that people went to hang out called myspace oh yeah and one of the places things people did to just buy their time on myspace was answer stupid quizzes about themselves uh -huh. and these would be long 200 question quizzes that had no meaning there was no result for these quizzes like buzzfeed now but i yeah. found a quiz that's 167 questions long i'm not gonna ask you 167 questions but okay. i asked you to pick several numbers oh, now okay. the best thing about this is there's no explanation needed so there's no it's story. It's just right, lightning. Yeah. Yes, no, this, we're, that. We're bad at no explanation. Because the best part is no explanation makes it even funnier. Okay, okay. So okay, we're going to okay. have no explanation. Uh, I'll ask the questions one word and answers. take turns each, each answering. All right? can, can we even do one word answers? <laughs> no. Is that possible? Right. It doesn't have to be one word answers. Just short, sure. quick, subtle Concise. answers. All right. All right. So first question of your MySpace quiz. Are you ready? Yes. Last song you listened to? <laughs> Gorilla Radio covered by Brass Against the Machine. Mm -hmm. I don't know whatever was on the radio on the way through. There you go. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, next question. Do you want to change your name? No. No. All right. <laughs> and you didn't when we got married, too. <laughs> Are you shy or outgoing? <laughs> outgoing. I don't know. I'm pretty shy. Ow! <laughs> that was a slap. <laughs> the next question fits, I think, following that perfectly. Do you have an attitude? No. <laughs> an attitude can be good. So yeah. <laughs> your next question: What was your best year? Oh, that's a tough one. This last question's perfect. This one's been really good. We went to Iceland. 
Yeah. I'm saying this one was pretty great. Same, Greg? 2009. Aww. Because that's when we got married. No. We got married. Even I was though, waiting for it. Even though the Yankees won the World Series. Uh. <laughs> uh, actually, I could also say 2004. For just because go. the Sox won that year for the there first time in 86 years. And the final question for your MySpace quiz. Have you ever showered with somebody else? Each yeah, other. Each other. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And that Yay. is your MySpace quiz. Greg, Jen, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We hope to talk to you again in the future, uh, possibly in season three or season four of the show. Uh, we, we love you guys. I know my, how much Michael adores you. I, I, he talks about you guys all the time. And Aww. since I've met you guys, are amazing people. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's been fantastic. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, back to you, Michael and Daniel, in the studio. And welcome back. Oh my gosh. Our last interview of season two is oh my done. Gosh. It's done. <laughs> we did it. 18 we made it interviews. Michael, year. 18 interviews. Oh is, my gosh. That's 18. what we did this season. But what's crazy is that like in the intro, you were saying that this interview in particular with Jen and Greg was two years in the making. And it's so true because when you and I started the just process of creating this show... Um, we, we were initially looking at finding a central place to record interviews mm -hmm. at and, uh, for cool behind the scenes knowledge, uh, back in season one, we interviewed musician Eric Knight and studio stage is actually where we recorded that interview. Uh, we yeah, got to record little, like, in one makeup of their, room. uh, yeah, like it's one of their uh, dressing rooms and we were able to record in there and, yeah. you know, we were, we were hoping to record even more at studio stage, but it's also a rental facility and Jen and Greg have been booking that space so much, but we've been working so hard to try and get them on the show. Yeah. And, but, but they've always been like names on our list. Like when we sat down, I think we've shared this before. Michael and I said, like, who do we want on the show that we know? Because we didn't know if we'd be able to, you know, randomly message someone and say, hey, you want to be on our podcast? You don't know us. <laughs> and so we put down people we knew that we felt we could probably convince to do the show for us as friends. And they were two of the first people we put down. And it just didn't work out in the first season. So I'm so excited that we were able not only to get them on, but close out our season with their story because – it is such a great story, and they, they're just such great people in general. So I'm really excited that this was how we closed out season two interview-wise. Yeah, me too. And, you know, Jen and Greg are really good personal friends of mine. And, you know, I learned so much about them that I didn't know before this interview. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, just to hear them even have those questions of, like, are we still able to run this theater company? Like, the, th finding out how they got through each struggle and each obstacle was so inspiring. And I thought, you know, just like you were saying, like was the perfect way to end this season of fantastic interviews. Well, you know, hearing them talk about like just everything they've gone through to get to where they are and how grateful and reflective they were on how every little instance in their life brought them to where they are now. And how joining, you know, walking through those doors and auditioning for that troop, though, I mean, there was struggle in that troop. I mean, there was even a walkout from them, like a rebellion <laughs> in that troop was the the foundation for 
what would become like the rest, like the their future lives and their future careers together. And it's mind boggling to think about something like that at that time leading to this, the joy of doing what you love full time. Yeah, of course, full time. And, you know, Jen and Greg, I don't know, it's so interesting. Just, you know, my day to day life, you know, my daily hustle, Daniel. And I feel like Jen and Greg are have been so much a part of my journey as an actor here in Los Angeles. Uh, Oh, absolutely. You know, Greg and, you know, they had their opportunity where someone approached them to invite them to be a part of this other theater company. And, you know, I was in a very similar instance where a mutual friend of yours and mine uh, invited me to audition for this theater company. And I'm so grateful that I did because it's so important to have a creative home where it doesn't matter if it's for film or television or something. You need that group of people to keep creating work with. Right. Well, I remember, you know, just a little bit after we met and getting to know you and kind of when we were first like coming together to work on things, you talked about like theater unleashed a lot. And then you Mm -hmm. became like their social media director for a short time. (laughs) And I remember that time period where you were marketing all their shows and you were going to their kind of their uh, uh, retreats and and you would kind of talk to me about working in the background and, and behind the scenes. And I know for me, it was I was a little jealous because I'm like, I know some, you know, and, and in any job and any profession, especially in a theater troupe that you're trying to you know build together, there's struggles and there's hardships. But it was there was a little bit of jealousy. Like, that sounds awesome. Like, to be able to do that work with a community of, of actors and, and artists just sounded so awesome. Yeah. it's And, you know, doing that, like, touched on my love for wanting to not only just be in the story, right? Like, acting on stage and things like that. But I also, through working at Theater Unleashed, I, I realized what I really love is being a part of the creation of that story. And right. so... You know, for a while, I thought, like, maybe it's social media is my way in. And, you know, ultimately, I found my passions driven elsewhere. And that's ultimately where this podcast came into play in my life, because I wasn't feeling that, you know, running social media at that time. And that's when you proposed to me of helping you out with this podcast. So it's... <laughs> and then you were running both <laughs> both social medias for a while. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. For a time. Uh, and then side my head by split side. open. but you know michael being you both you know i i have my wife you have your fiance soon to be wife um Mm -hmm. you know and and both of us in different ways uh interact professionally with our 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 uh partners um Mm -hmm. you know how do you guys you and 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 karen uh you know and i i know we've talked about next season having a team hustle kind of more focused on this but how do you guys handle uh the different paths that you guys are on but also like the similarities. How do you guys help each other and and also work with each other's different schedules? I think it's true partnership. I think it you really have to approach it as a partner, um, not only you know romantically and everything, but you have to be there to support one another. And Anna Karen is able to do that so well for me, and I hope that I can do that for her. But it's it's being there to be a, just an open ear to hear whether it's the frustrations or a bouncing board of ideas. Um, Karen is really great in terms of helping me come up with a plan and, you know, hearing everything that's going on and then like synthesizing that down to like, well, what are the things that you can do that you have control over that, you know, we can work on. And she's really great about coming up with like kind of my 
my plan of attack, as it were. And then right. on the reverse side of things, uh, Anna Karen, she's trying, uh, as listeners got to hear back a few weeks ago, uh, she is trying to build a career as a personal trainer. And, you know, she's starting to put out stuff on her own social media uh, for that. And so for me, I'm just trying to, you know, any type of ideas that I can give her or be the bouncing board uh, that she needs uh, to explore that type of growth or other opportunities here in LA. Because there's many times where she's like, I model, but I want to do something else. And so part of what I try to be there for her is to ask like, well, what else makes you happy? What else uh, inspires you, gets your creative spirit going? So we try to really be there for each other um, right. in that regard. How about you and Angie, man? Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, you, your, your, your fiance, Anna, and, and my wife are, are very similar in a lot of ways. Um, they're both kind of introverted. Uh, they're not <laughs> ones to be the center of attention. And so they're, they're marrying or married into someone who is uh, an outrovert, an extrovert, who has no problem being the center of attention and hamming it up for people. <laughs> who has no problems uh, being on mic. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. And as we've heard uh, by how we laughed last night when they told us to fake laugh for the audio, uh, <laughs> we, we have no problem being boisterous and loud and gaining attention. And, and they're yeah. different. And, it, and so, one, I, I commend, you know, Anna Karen for pursuing this idea of this kind of Instagram company uh, for fitness coaching because it does cause her to be the face of that company and to put herself out there. That that takes a lot of effort for someone who's an introvert um, mm -hmm. to really put themselves out there. So I definitely commend her on that. And so with Angie, though, the I can be the creative. She's the business. And mm. she's such a great sounding board for if I'm having any thoughts behind the scenes about the way, you know, the podcast is being run. And I share ideas that I have with her that deal with either the structure of the show or the business of the show or the, the brand. And she's able to give me really strong, uh, mature, professional advice uh, because she just has that mindset. She's so good about thinking like that. And she's kind of our unofficial business manager um, until we can pay her and make her an official business manager. Uh, but, you know, she has such a great mindset for brand marketing and, and, and business in general. So that's that's how it, it really helps for us to come together because I'm, I'm someone that wants to start his own company and start my own production company and so having that is just makes it even better to have that person as a sounding board to help be a part of that and maybe be a part of the company one day though we know we would have to be in positions where we don't work together a lot uh because yeah. i think we would drive each other insane uh but it helps to have that and then on top of that with my you know, with, with our separate different schedules, she knows how important this podcast is to me. And she also, she's someone who understands hard work and she sees the effort that me and you put into this podcast and that it's not just, I want to hang out with Michael and talk to other people and hang out with other people and drink a beer. It's, it's, a, it's for us, this is a business and this is something we look at as a possible future for us. And she understands that. And so she she gets the three hours I'm away on a Saturday when that's maybe the only times we get to hang out with each other or get stuff done. She understands it and she uh, she supports it. And she's always excited if something if we get a cool guest or, if you know, when I told her people reaching out to us, she was genuinely excited for us because she knows how hard you and I have worked at this podcast. Yeah. 
And so it's nice to understand that your work is appreciated by your partner and yeah. that they don't they look at what you do as just, oh, this is just silly. Like she doesn't look at my writing and screenwriting and go, oh, what are you trying? You're never going to make it. Like she she tells me how and supports me and, and, and has confidence in my ability and also has learned to understand that this takes time. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think those are really <laughs> the big tent poles is understanding. You know, you talked about kind of partnership. I would also add in understanding each other and yeah. understanding the desires and the personality and the wants of each other. And then finding a way to, in that partnership, compromise in those personalities and desires. And yeah. and I, then you're going to have a strong relationship. I absolutely agree. That last part that you were saying about uh, how she reminds you that it takes time. Karen is the same way for me. And it's so healthy and good to have someone there that just to remind you like, hey, it isn't an overnight success. And I know we we go in to that topic a lot more next week uh, yeah. in our year in review episode, but it it takes time. And it's but it's so important to, you know, be able to support one another because it will feel like it's a drag if you're not supporting one another or you're thinking that it's, you know, you're always waiting for that big moment to happen for you. But mm-hmm. it's it's healthy and it's so good to have someone there that's like supporting you and celebrating with you along the way and that for you as well to support them in what they're doing. Absolutely. So, you know, all through this month, you know, this year, one of the things that we added to our show and is going to stay a part of our uh, outros is our hustle support statements because we want to start the week off giving you some motivation to continue striving towards your goals, striving towards what you want, and also maybe offering some advice along the way. So Michael, what is your statement this week? We all move to the city of Los Angeles with dreams and thoughts of what career achievements we will accomplish in this city. Whether that be winning an Oscar, an Emmy, or a Grammy, we move to this city to embrace the career we've spent our lives planning for. But what Greg, Jen, or myself never saw coming were the surprises that life brings you when you move here. Whether you meet the love of your life or the friends that will help inspire you and support you along the way, it's so important to allow life to happen to you. It's so easy to be tunnel visioned and to only focus on your path, but as I have experienced and Greg did as well, you can get so burned out when you are just on your own. As we have shared many times on this podcast, community is king. It's so important to surround yourself with other people who are just as passionate as you are about art and their dreams. You will inspire one another to be better and to push yourselves. Who knows? They may be the people you have in other life events, like officiating your wedding or being there for emergencies. Come to the city. I I know, right? But come to this city with dreams and goals to strive for. But be willing to live your life as well. If you can focus on finding that balance, I promise you that you'll enjoy your life in Los Angeles as well. Man, that's so so true and and so important. And I know that's something I think we've talked about since since episode one is is having people's paths beside you. And, and, mm-hmm. and learning from each other and supporting each other and being for the other when they're screaming into the void because they're just so tired of it. And, and without it, 
it's it's just not going to work. It's not yeah. going to work if you don't have someone there, like you said with you know Anna and with like I said with Angie to tell you, hey, it's not going to be a one moment thing. It's many moments that's going to get to where it gets you to where you are, and some of those moments won't be great. Mm-hmm. And you need people in your life to be there not only to tell you those things, but also be there to give you a glass of whiskey when you've had one of those days. <laughs> of course, be of the proper age of 21 when you have Absolutely. that glass of whiskey. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Also, also, when I was writing this, when I wrote Community is King, not going to lie, I had like a, ooh, that's a Hollywood Hustle shirt idea. <laughs> man, yeah, Absolutely. I like it. I like it. How about you, man? What's your hustle sports statement this <clears throat> week? This is it. This is the way I'm going to make it. How do we reach our goals? How do we get to the top of the ladder of success and into and more prevalent in our chosen industries? A lot of people drive towards their life goals with blinders on. They see a straight path, but that is never the case. Those blinders keep you from seeing the twists and the turns. They close you up from being open to learning and networking opportunities along the way. Blinding yourselves to these twists on your path only cause frustration and anger when things don't work out, quote unquote. That's normal. It's okay to be upset when something you'd hoped for didn't work out. But accepting that obstacles come, new routes open that will help you find more positives in the letdowns, help you grow and learn from those moments. We all should expect many uncertainties along our journeys, but never fear the curves. Don't hesitate when twists arrive. That goal is still right in front of you. You're just becoming more prepared for when the opportunity comes to achieve it. Mm, I love that. That is so good. I Man, I feel like this week you and I were on a very similar wavelength. Absolutely. I think um, it, it's, it's it just in a weird, just different advices about the path. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's, it's for me, it's like being open to other paths that aren't like necessarily career related. Right. And then for right, you, right. it's, it's also, it's acknowledging those, those speed bumps or just those blockades in a way that comes when you're trying to achieve your career and well, having to embrace that as an opportunity to learn and grow. Well, you know, it's it's something that, you know, for 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 5 years I've been looking to collaborate with friends. I I I've wanted, you know, I've been so blessed to not only meet you, become amazing friends and brothers with you and and work on many great things in in the past and hopefully great things in the future other than this podcast. But there's also other people that I've been wanting to work with that I know who are super talented. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I've wanted to work on things that had meaning and had a future with people that believed in it. You know, this podcast came about because you believed in it. You believed in my vision for it and my my idea for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been five years and I'm just now working with two different sections for two different projects that I, I am super confident will will come to fruition. And, and, and be produced and filmed and get out to the world. And it's taken five years for me to get there. <laughs> and that's, those, that's five years of twists and turns, not knowing how I'm going to get to this point and not seeing that all of that is to get to this point. And so it's, it's knowing that nothing is a straight line 
everything has twists. Everything has curves. You're going to go from this to, to waiting tables, to working at Holly, Halloween Horror Nights, to writing a comic book show, to doing this, to doing that, to doing this, to doing that, to starting a podcast, and then finally doing something that you've been wanting to do for five years. <laughs> Yeah. So you never know what's going to happen. And, and and I think being aware of that while also living that life path is, is all important. And finding the balance is what will get you through it. Absolutely. I love that, guys. So make sure that you 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 take in, if you take anything away from this episode, from the amazing interview with Greg and Jen, and then these hustle support statements, there's a lot to be gained with you on your path, on your own hustle uh, with this episode. And please let us know what you thought of uh, today's episode, what you've thought of this whole season, season two. Uh, you can connect with us on social media, uh, Greg and Jen, uh, respectively. For Greg on Twitter and Instagram, he is at Gregory Crafts. And for Jen on Twitter, she is at Jen Scud Crafts. That's J E N N S C U D. C-R-A-F-T-S. And on Instagram, she is Jen.Crafts. And of course, you can also follow Studio Stage, which is their theater company that they uh, run in Hollywood. Uh, they are StudioStage.com. For the podcast ourselves, you can engage with us on social media on Twitter. We are at LA Hustlecast. And on Instagram and Facebook, we are at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. Personally, I am at Michael Lutheran on all socials. Daniel, where are you at? I am I am Daniel Tuttle on all socials, T-U-T-T-E-L. And, of course, if you want to share us a longer message, maybe a more private message or something like that about what you thought or give us an update on your hustle, you can email us at hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Now, also, don't forget, if you're listening to this for the first time on iTunes or or on uh, uh, Stitcher or anywhere else, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button or my favorites button. And, and that way you and make sure notifications are on. So you always know when uh, when a new episode comes out so you can listen to it. Make sure you're sharing the show if you love it. If you think it'll be helpful for someone else, make sure you're telling other people about the show. Because trust me, nothing's going to get this podcast going even more than the word of mouth. Now, also, please, if you have a chance, make sure to support us. Uh, there's a little donate button button at the bottom of our website hollywoodhustlepodcast.com you can donate a one-time donation or a a monthly renewing donation if you'd like to support the hustle and help us grow and build the show uh, and build our own team you can also leave us reviews on itunes or stitcher letting other people know like you should listen to the show it's five stars these guys are great they have great guests whatever you want to say we want to hear it we want to read it and even if it's not a five-star review let us know why. What what are, what's not working for you? Or email us and tell us what's not working that maybe we can fix or adjust to to make sure everyone can enjoy this show. Absolutely. And another way that you can support the hustle of this show as well as your own hustle is by actually supporting yourself. If you're an artist out there and you don't have a good website that showcases your work, well, we are so happy to be working with radportfolios.com. Uh, they're, an, uh, they're artists who've become entrepreneurs, and they are website designers. For a startup cost, they will design your website. They're, they will take care of your domain. They will take care of updates. If you book a show or if you uh, doing want to announce that you're doing a stage reading of your new screenplay, 
you just send that update over to them and they will update your website for you. And then it's just a recurring monthly cost of $99. But if you use the R code word hustle, how much do you get off, Daniel? When you get you use 50% hustle? off. You get 50% off the startup cost. There you go. 50% off of the startup cost and then just a monthly reoccurring fee of $99. These guys take care of everything for you. Radportfolios.com, guys. Go check them out today. Consider getting your website started today. Again, radportfolios.com so you can get back to getting booked. Now, guys, we've come to the end of the season. We've heard amazing interviews. We've learned meaningful lessons and shared heartwarming moments. Next week, we sit down with three previous guests for our year in review season finale. We catch up with season two guests, Alexandra Boylan and Mike Tobias, and also joining us is season one guest, Alyssa Carter. We discuss how we've grown this year and what is propelling us into 2019. Michael and I also share the changes and updates coming to the show in season three, which will, premi- which will premiere in early January. Do not miss this introspective look at our journeys as we close out this fantastic season two of Hollywood Hustle Podcast. Oh, man. I, it just it, it doesn't feel true. <laughs> I know. Episode 76, come and gone. And it, it feels <laughs> weird that like in a few weeks, we won't be uploading a new episode for a while. It's, it's such a weird feeling. Yeah, we'll we'll be taking a few weeks off uh, during the holidays just so that, you know, we can focus on our families and, you know, take a break. But not really because we'll be still recording more episodes. I'll be editing the episodes in the new format and a whole lot more is going to be coming your guys' way in 2019. It's going to be great, guys. You don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for following us through this entire season, through our team hustles and our interview episodes and our commentary episode. You guys are just amazing. And and we couldn't we couldn't be more appreciative of of your time, uh, your support and everything you've given us. Uh, Michael, I mean, I can't thank you enough for just mm-hmm. believing in this podcast and being such a strong part of it and and doing all the work you put into it for it i love you brother and thank you so much of course man i wouldn't be here if it weren't for you and for all of the amazing work that you do for him booking our guests to making sure that everything happens smoothly to posting to make sure that our listeners are receiving uh the episodes that i edit and everything but this would be happening without you so uh, that am- so the, you mean the, the amazing editing job that you do week in and week out to not only our full episodes but the side hustles oh, it's no problem absolutely absolutely thank you guys for joining us for episode 76 and real quick just a quick reminder with the release of this episode coming out on tuesday november 6th if you guys live in the united states please go out and vote go vote go vote 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 vote. uh uh, lyft and, and i believe uber also are giving free rides uh, to people yeah. in certain areas or at least heavily discounted rides, depending on how far your polling place is. Yeah. Los Angeles County, there's free uh, public transportation. That's that what I, I was about to say. Your polling. Yeah. Yeah. Check your check your public uh, your city's public transportation. They may be giving free rides uh, today uh, for you to get to the polls. Um, uh, check when your polls open and close, uh, check where they are. Uh, hopefully you have confirmed you are registered. Make sure you have all the proper identification, go vote. Your vote 
and your voice matters in this country. It is meant to be that way. That's what democracy is. Go and vote. And if you live in the state of California and you haven't yet registered to vote, that's okay because this state allows you to still go and fill out a provisional ballot and as and you get to register and the state will then accept your vote once they fully verify your registration status as a voter. So you don't have an excuse and it's, you know, it's a civic duty uh, as a citizen of this country. Embrace your voice and embrace your vote. Please, guys, and, vote, vote, vote. <laughs> and and one more thing. If you're someone, if you're listening to this and you're in high school, um, I'm not saying, I am not saying to do this. This is completely up to you, but I know several kids across the country who are 18 and able to vote are going to walk out uh, at a certain time today to go vote. So I'm not saying I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that is up to you and your parents. But check also, with your parents first. At least in the state of California, employers aren't allowed to keep you from voting. They will they are actually supposed to pay you for your time so that you can go and vote. So whether that is the beginning of the day, uh, if you're if you have to be there a little late, that's okay. Your employer should be paying you for the time that you lost. If you have to leave early or if you have to li- leave in the middle of the day, you will be compensated for your time so that you can vote. So what we're trying to say is go vote. <laughs> go vote, guys. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much, Michael. Once again, thank you. It's been a fantastic season two. And guys, as we roll out of 2018 and into 2019. Make sure you're always willing to forever and always keep up, keep up the hustle. The hustle. Keep it up. And I remember watching uh, shows on TV. Like, who remembers? You, you guys might be a little young for this, but Kids Incorporated. Yeah. Uh, I remember Kids Incorporated. All right, yeah. Now, I remember Kids Incorporated watched that and being like, oh, God, I wish I had a shred of musical talent because I would love to do a show like that. Mm. Which is also funny because, side note, uh, when I first got to LA, my first job was working uh, night audit, night shift at, uh, at the Sofitel on Beverly Boulevard, and the Black Eyed Peas would stay there. And Fergie started out as Stacy Ferguson mm. on... Uh, oh. on uh, Kids Incorporated. Yep. So that was a little thing in my life that went full circle when I met Fergie. So that was fun. <laughs> I did not fanboy out about that. But <laughs> but Fergie, if you're listening... How uh, amazing would it have been if that's what you brought up when you met Fergie? Yeah, <laughs> like, right? No, oh my I, God, you're Stacy Ferguson. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, no, I don't even want to... I also do but other they, things now. They, they were... Yeah, but I mean, all those guys were really cool. I got to know them.